This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Fast Money Lifestyle Clothing. The Fast Money Lifestyle Clothing is a Chicago upcoming brand that started in 2012 on the south side of Chicago. Shout out to the artist at Fast Money OJ. You can type his name on YouTube and SoundCloud. Go watch some of his videos and be looking for new upcoming music and visuals coming soon. Also, shout out to Fast Money underscore Sean on Instagram. He is the head creator for the brand. They drop new clothing ideas and tour dates and everything from merchandise to apparel and buttons and stickers and fast money lifestyle it's awesome i got a fast money t-shirt it's awesome go check them out the uh, fast money lifestyle clothing on instagram it's it's pretty cool andrew you, you would say it's pretty cool as well uh i know we both have shirts more of them on the way uh go check them out www.fastmoneylifestyleclothing.com today's episode is also brought to you by the closet I just stopped into the closet today, and I found an awesome pop figure for a dollar. They're located on 606 South Illinois Avenue in Carbondale, Illinois, on the Strip. They just opened. You can find everything from designer clothing to sports apparel, merchandise, video games, hats, backpacks, anything you can possibly think of. They probably got it, and for better prices than any place around. They're now open from Tuesdays to Saturdays. From 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Go check them out. The Closet. Today's episode, we have a great interview with Joe Jones, the Denver Broncos linebacker. We talked Jerry Jones, what it was like when he comes in on helicopters. Uh, we talked baseball. Baseball is back. Uh, we have another starting five of top five foods to eat when you're stoned. So, you're going to want to listen to that. That's going to be a very, very good segment. And we talk about my recent travels to the Cubs spring training in Mesa, Arizona. A lot, lot of good uh, stuff to talk about. And let's go. Andrew, how are you doing today? So I just got a new tattoo beside the point, but the aftercare for this thing is an absolute bitch. I got it on the ribs, and it's just a total pain in the ass dealing with it. Like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot that you got your tattoo on Sunday. What would you get again? Uh, I just got a little piece on my ribs, you know, like a little like EKG, like the heart wave thing. So uh, you know, basic bitch over here. But yeah, man, it's a fucking pain. They do have some cool new like band aids and shit that they can put on it that like last for four days, but like it still sucks just dealing with the thing. Like, I haven't been able to work out, like, kind of been killing me when I'm sleeping, having to pay attention to that. It's a real pain in the ass, but, you know, other than that, can't complain. So, um, what about you? How was Arizona? Why don't you uh, give us a little uh, take on that? Uh, it was it was great. You want, to, you want to start with baseball? We'll start with baseball. We'll start with baseball. We'll finish out with the NBA All-Star Weekend before we do our starting five. Uh, Arizona was an experience. Let me tell you, uh, I started... I, I went down, I flew out of St. Louis, and I get to the airport thinking I'm nervous as hell. I don't know who's go, who we're going to talk to, who we're going to try and get on the podcast. I'm just sitting there thinking I'm doing homework, and a dude, he comes up and sits next to me, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, 
And, you know, I recognized the face, but I couldn't put it together. And I was like, nah, you know, I went back to doing homework. And about five seconds later, I hear these guys go, Zeke, Zeke, Zeke. I was like, holy fuck. That's Ezekiel Elliott sitting right next to me. I couldn't believe it. So when they started yelling, Zeke, 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 of course, you know, he got up and walked away. And I was like, fuck, you know, I got to try and go get an interview with him. I got to try and talk to him, you know, put my name out there for us. So he's in the um, in the store where you're buying headphones because he had the earpod, the AirPods on or whatever they are. And he goes into the store, buys a pair of like $400, like over the head Bose headphones. So that way it cancels out the noise. So he doesn't hear these fuckers yelling, Zeke, 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 which I don't blame him. So I walked up to him with my microphone plugged into my phone. You know, I shook his hand. I talked to him. I was like, hey, you know. I host a, uh, a podcast called Section 312. We interview athletes, a lot of uh, famous people along the way. We got a lot of good stuff lined up. Would you want to do a quick interview and uh, come on the podcast? And he's like, nah, not right now. You know, I don't have time or anything. He had time. You know, he was sitting right there waiting for his plane. But, you know, I, res I respected it. I was like, all right, respectful decline. It's cool. Let me tell you, though. He is not a big dude in person. He's really not. Joe Jones, who we interviewed today, he's bigger than Zeke. But then again, Zeke is like 2% fucking body fat. So I shook his hand. His hands are really small. They're really small. Zeke's a nail biter. He was biting his nails the entire time that I was sitting next to him. And I didn't realize that he wasn't that tall. His fucking afro gives him like seven inches of extra height. That thing is massive. He was carrying a red Supreme backpack, like a $5,000 Louis bag, and the Prom Night 11s he was wearing. And real nice guy, you know. He, uh, But here's the part that kicked me in my ass. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you know, maybe some other time I'll come on. Can I get uh, one of your business cards? I was like, fuck. I don't have any business cards to give him because they were on the way. And I was like, god damn it. If I would have had a business card, we could have had Ezekiel Elliott on the show. So that's how the trip started, right? So baseball's back, right? We I get to Arizona. I'm in Arizona, and we go to Cubs. the Cubs practices. Cubs, they don't sign for shit the entire time I'm there. They don't sign a goddamn thing until the last day that I'm there. Uh, they got rained out one day. Uh, my buddy Marcus Kamadi and I, we, we didn't want to waste the day, so... We decided to drive a half hour away to uh, Glendale, Arizona, where the Dodgers and the White Sox started practicing because they, uh, they share a facility. And sure enough, when we get there, the Dodgers practice is over, but the White Sox are still there signing. I got on a baseball. I got Yohan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, Lucas Giolito, uh, Carlos Rodon, who I talked to and said uh, he was going to check us out and he, he was going to shoot us an email and he might come on the show. And I that's when I messaged you. What what do you think about the you? I know you're a White Sox fan, but would you be psyched to interview Carlos Rodon? Oh, yeah, bro. I'd love to have Carlos on the pod, man. Carlos, if you're listening, dude, join us. Come. Uh, we can talk White Sox. You can. Um, I saw Tim Anderson's tweet today after the Machado signing, which we'll get into later, saying to uh, pretty much fuck off, Manny. Uh, if you don't want to be on the bandwagon, then you can just. Uh, you know, get off and run behind it when you see the socks blowing up. So I'd love to talk about kind of the new things that Rick Hahn's doing and uh, kind of what y'all think. So, so do you check anybody else out of the, uh, there? Because I know that there's a fuck ton of teams kind of practicing in that oh. 
Yeah, yeah. Angels are out there. The Athletics are out there. We didn't get a chance to go check any of that out. But while I was at the White Sox camp, you know, like I said, I talked to Carlos Rodon, you know, Jose Abreu was signing shit, but he didn't sign. We were like two people away from him signing stuff. Jose's a big guy, man. He's he's huge, but he's kind of a dick. He is. He's he's really kind of a dick. He had that mentality of like, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to sign for these two little kids. But everybody else waiting is like, nah, fuck you guys. I'm, I'm not going to sign shit for you. So he left. And he's grown ass men with the ball. But this was <laughs> right. But this was this was the cool thing. This was the cool thing. Uh, John Jay. Right. He comes back and he's signing autographs. And I was like, John. I didn't want to waste John Jay on a ball. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, John Jay, I don't know if you're ball worthy, but I was like, John, would you sign this for me? He's like, what do you got? I pull out my Cubs hat and he starts cracking up. He's like, dude, I've been on so many teams. Uh, all the White Sox fans are hating me because I was wearing a, a Cubs hoodie there, but I had to flip it inside out so they didn't kick my ass. So I was in there. He signed it. It was cool. You know, uh, like I said, we got Eloy Jimenez, all that stuff, and that was a good day. And then the next, the last day I was there, I actually ran into Jesse Rogers and Kelly Kroll, and they gave me their personal emails. You know, they said that they would be down for an interview to come on the show, which would be awesome because they're two. Jesse Rogers and Kelly Kroll are probably two of the nicest people I've ever met. Jesse even said, you know, hey, I just did this other podcast with these people earlier. He's like, I'll respond to your email soon. You know, I'll get back to you. We'll set up a date. Kelly Kroll was like, oh, yeah, I would love to be interviewed. You know, she'll come on eventually. And the last day I was there, uh, Ryan Sandberg started signing autographs. So I got Ryan Sandberg on the World Series championship hat for my father. I'm going to send that out to him in Tampa. Shout out, Pops. You know, uh, love you and everything, but I got you a Ryan Sandberg hat. And here's the big kicker. This is where me and Marcus were, like, uh, dumbfounded, right? We, the entire trip, Marcus wanted you Darvish's autograph, right? He's like, man, I want you. I want you. I want you. Last day, you Darvish is signing autographs. Of course, me and him both got the autographs on the baseball. Now, you Darvish has a translator with him all the time. He never talks to the media in English. This fucker was having full-on English conversations with the fans. And I'm sitting in my head like, why do you have a translator if you can speak English? That makes no sense. That way you can talk all this shit and then people don't have to, uh, like he doesn't have to deal with any of the consequences of it. He can just say all the shit he wants to his translator and his translator just makes it nice. You think that's what he's doing? Like the media asks him questions and he's talking and he's like, he's like, hey, dude, this guy probably like pisses himself at night. And this translator's like, oh, you had a nice day outside. You know, like. Good. He felt really good out there. He said he's, you know, he's working it day by day. Yeah, he was talking so much shit. No, I mean, I don't know. But I'm sure, you know, you's a nice guy. He, he's at it rough, too, with the Cubs. So it's good to at least he's interacting with the fans nice. Because I think uh, y'all gave him a lot of shit last year. So hopefully he has a good bounce back year, just as a baseball fan in general. He looks good. He does look good. He said he feels good. He was throwing about 92, 93 when he was out there for live BP. Uh, he does look very good. I didn't realize how close he was with Cole Hamels. Him and Cole Hamels play catch every day. They're like the... You know, when you were playing baseball, you had like your best buddy who you guys would always team up and play catch with. Yeah, yeah that they they're literally like butt buddies. They're awesome. I tried getting Cole the entire time. I couldn't get him, but they're awesome. For sure. All right. So let's uh, let's, let's get Machado. Some... Yeah, let's get to the Machado thing. All right. So 10 years 
$300 million to the Padres. W- what's your initial reaction to that? And that just dropped yesterday, actually. We were going to do the show two days ago, and it's a good thing we waited because we were able to get this news on here. Yeah, I actually, um, when Jason Hayward was signing autographs, I told him, I was like, hey, Jason, you know, uh, Manny just signed 10 years, $300 million with the Padres. He's like, oh, I didn't hear that. Good for him. And he sounded pretty pissed off about it, you know? And I don't blame him. I was talking to this Cubs fan while I was in Mesa, and he brought up something to me, and it stuck with me. And he said said that Theo Epstein is to blame for Harper and Machado whining so much and taking so long to sign. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? How is it Theo's fault? He's like – and I agree with him. Jason Hayward has the worst contract in baseball. Theo Epstein, this may be the worst signing of his career. Jason Hayward is getting paid 28 – listen, listen before you shake your head. Listen, Jason Hayward is getting paid $28 million a year. So you're sitting there thinking if I'm Manny and I'm Bryce and they're talking to their agent and the teams, they're like, you're telling me I'm worth only $2 million more than Jason Hayward? No, 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 bro. See, here's, here's, I don't know who you're getting your info from, but like, that's, that's totally not it at all. The reason they're having these contract issues is all because of the new analytics shit that's going on. Like the whole, that's the whole kind of problem behind it is that there's so much analytics that they're not, they don't want to pay because it doesn't look on in the numbers and the algorithms, a good deal to sign Harper and Machado for $300 million for 10 years. It's too much of a commitment. It's burned in older players. Like Albert Pujols is probably the reason that that happens. If anything, there used to be so much of a free agent dump. And now what we're seeing is, I mean, it's pretty much playing chicken with one another between the, um, uh, between the owners and the players until about, you know, you get to spring training time and it's like, uh, you know, kind of time for shit to hit the fan. And you're finally starting to see these guys getting deals. I mean, Harper still isn't signed and what they report in, you know, the end of the week. So, I mean, I think it's more that than I'd say like, the Cubs fault with Hayward. But you get what I'm saying though? Like there's they're Manny's getting paid two million dollars more than Jason Hayward. Don't you think he's a little bit worth more than two million dollars more than Jason Hayward? Jason Hayward bats like two forty, two fifty with like thirteen to fifteen home runs and sixty RBIs. You're telling me twenty eight million dollars for that? I mean I don't know what defense or uh, Jason Hayward's defensive war is, but I mean, he's got a crazy arm. He's got a crazy because he has the best cannon in baseball. Yeah, that's what that's the point I'm making. I mean, look, he, he's not worth his deal. You know, the way he hit in the past is not what the way he's hitting now. All I'm trying to say, though, is that, yes, Hayward is not worth the money he's getting right now. But I don't want to attribute that solely to uh the reason that we're not seeing guys like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper signed right now. I just I can't make that jump. I think there's way out, there's a lot more factors kind of operating behind the scenes that are the reason for that. I heard that the Giants right now were becoming more intensifying in their offers for Bryce and I heard that Manny Machado turned down a 350 million dollar deal from the White Sox. Bro, I heard that too. That's so fucking sad. That's stuck in my heart really bad as a White Sox fan. I mean, I don't know, man. It, it's You would think he wanted all the money, but I guess he also was uh, <laughs> pretty big into uh, getting that San Diego weather with it. I mean, man, I don't know. I don't know if you want to put a guy like Manny Machado around a young team to begin with anyways. 
Like, well, they're not that young, though. I mean, Jose Abreu is probably the most veteran guy on the team, and they got Yonder Alonso, who I also got his autograph on the ball, and his fucking signature is so bad it looks like I drew it on the ball. And, you know, I thought he was going to go team up with his brother-in-law. The White Sox were going to become relevant again. Hopefully, Kopech comes back and has a good year. They they got good players like John Jay and Eloy Jimenez and Yoan Moncada, you know, and Tim Anderson. And, you know, I thought he would want to go and be the man on the team. I don't necessarily know going to the Padres. He's going to even make the playoffs. Who they got? They got Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado. That's it. That's yeah, that's it. If you wanted to make the playoffs, though, he would have signed for a little bit less and gone to, like, a New York. Like, the, New York definitely offered him a deal. It just wasn't what he wanted. Right, but he also could have took in the $350 million offer that was reported that the White Sox gave him, and the White Sox could have won the division because that division is trash now. That would have been the White Sox' path to a division title. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on Cleveland, though. The Indians are pretty Dude, fucked. Cleveland's team. done. Cleveland's done. Cleveland's done. That team is dispersed. That team is done. This was the White Sox year. Now, my question for you is, do they go all out on Bryce Harper? That's a good question. Um, I'd like to see it because it's been a while since there's been, I mean, I guess you could say Abreu, but he, you know, Bryce Harper puts asses in the seats. He's a guy that like, he will bring in money past your 300 million you're paying him just in between Jersey sales and ticket sales that you'll get. I don't think the White Sox are going to go for him though. I think he's going to the Phillies. You know, I heard Phillies. I heard he could resign with Washington. I I know he doesn't want to be in Washington, but he could resign. I heard the 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 Giants are making a push for him. You know, the the Padres I would, are going for him too. Yeah, I know the Padres are going for him too, and that would that would be huge. But I don't necessarily know if that'll work out. They don't really pitching wins ball games, and they don't have a decent staff. Who's who's their best pitcher? Uh, I can tell you in just a second. <laughs> yeah, look that up. I don't know who their best pi- I don't know who their best pitcher is right now. God, I and, I couldn't even name a fucking pitcher on the Padres right now. Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. They're bad. They're not good. Why why would Manny just for the weather? I'm looking it up right now and like I I mean even even their leaders. I mean their their pitching leaders and wins was a relief pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sad Craig Stammen who I have no fucking idea who that is but like all of their leaders are, are you know maybe they're trying to do the old um, maybe they're trying to do the old uh, like kind of A's and Rays approach where they're kind of going just full bullpen but I mean yeah I I don't even see anybody with above 100 Clayton Richard seems like their number one Jesus yeah. Clayton Richard oh my god like I'm pretty sure Clayton Richard used to start his career in the White Sox, Clayton Richard. <laughs> That's crazy. So now that Machado has signed, like you said, we should see Harper sign within the next week, tops maybe. Um, but what does it look like for other potential free agents out there, like Dallas Keuchel, Adam Jones, Craig Kimbrell? Where, where do you think they're going to land? Dude, I, I don't know, but, I mean, it's pretty shocking to see the lack of movement in the pitching market. I mean – Kluber is a Cy Young, right? Uh, Kluber isn't a free agent. He's on the trade block from the Indians. Dallas Keuchel is a free agent from the Astros. No, no, I knew Keuchel was a free agent. I mean, it's also crazy. Craig, 
Craig Kimbrell, who I was looking at before this actually, is 14th all time in career saves, and he's only like been in the league for nine seasons. He's yeah. I mean, he's a super 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 underrated closer. Like if, that's historically been great. If and, I'm the Cubs, if I am the Cubs, I go out and get Craig Kimbrell because we always need bullpen help. If our starting rotation can stay healthy we have a shot did you see the cubs are projected to finish dead last in the nl central dead last i i mean dude the nl central's good <laughs> oh it's the best division in baseball but however i don't i still think we can win the division uh, i think top to bottom you guys have the best division in baseball i think the al east is best at like top like the yankees the yankees and red Sox are way better at kind of tip top yeah they are I, I get that, but that division's not the strongest in baseball anymore. It's like you said, it's just the Yankees and the Red Sox. Now in the Central, you have the Brewers who are good, the Cardinals who just got Goldschmidt and are good, the Cubs, the Reds who just restacked their team with good talent. They got Puig, they got Matt Kemp. That that division's gonna be tough. Yeah. No, I mean everyone got substantially better, and honestly, the Cubs have kind of just sat on their hands. I think you guys are a lot of it's just kind of Chris Bryant, just you know hoping that he pulls something out because, you know, he had a little bit of a down year last year. At least he'd hope so. Yeah, I mean, he's been hurt, but the Cubs were projected to get, like, 82 wins, and I think they will they should get 90 wins. They should get 90. Um, yeah, I'd still take the over on that. I don't know if I'd go 90. I mean, I could see, like, an 87, 88-type deal for sure. I mean, the, the team still is loaded with veterans. It's loaded with talent good starters i mean it's just all about kind of you know everyone putting it together again i think i think it's unfair to put them at 82 for sure yeah so so that was my uh that was my experience in arizona and while i was in arizona in phoenix the the ufc fight was going down in phoenix and i was telling marcus i was like dude we should go to this fight you know and he's like nah you know nah 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 so we watched the prelims on espn because we didn't have espn plus but i was able to watch the uh the main event on youtube afterwards which lasted 20 seconds bro the 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 main event was on um <laughs> the main event was on espn espn bought ufc now so they're showing all their main events but yes no you ufc first off i think with it coming to espn it's going to get it's going to blow up huge like I, I watched UFC for two hours and that was the first time I've ever really like watched it because I didn't have to buy in for a pay-per-view. It was fucking awesome. It was a blast to watch. And it's great. You know, you're drinking or you're hanging out with some buddies, whatever, and you just want to throw something on to like have in the background. You watch it, you get knocked the fuck out all of a sudden. You just look over after a couple of beers. It's fucking awesome. So you said it. We've talked. We've already spent more time talking about this than the fight actually was. I mean, <laughs> dude, it's it was bad. Cain Velasquez, I think it was about, he spent at least a year, a little bit over a year maybe, like, off. And he comes back. He's in his home state of Arizona. Fans are going nuts. And Francis Ngannou walks in. Dude, this motherfucker's just jacked. This dude's huge. He has about, like, six inches reach on him. He's two inches taller. Just hulking man. And he gets into the ring with Cain. And, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually betting on the game, or on the fight, I mean, and you know, the, the odds are skewed way towards, you know, people are picking way more for Velasquez. And I'm like, fuck it, dude. This guy's going to beat the piss out of him. Surely enough, watch it. He gets in. Velasquez takes, like, two punches, then, like, gets into the corner, blows his knee out. And, like, Ngannou got on top of him, threw two elbows at him, and he was just fucking done. They called the fight. It was, it was unbelievable. You know, that's the thing. I thought they called the fight a little too early. He blew his knee out, though. 
he was like grabbing his knee. He was fucked. He was on the ground. He was just going to get the piss beat out of him if they didn't yeah. stop. Yeah, I saw that. But, I mean, I I, I didn't see how jacked he was. I thought Caden Velasquez was, was going to come out and take this fight, but he didn't. And, like you said, the fight lasted 20 seconds. But that's UFC, though. You don't know what you're going to get. You're not going to get Floyd Mayweather hopping around for an hour, landing maybe two, three punches around, and then getting a victory. You, I, I, like you said, now that you, uh, UFC was on ESPN, I felt more, you know— interacted with UFC. I felt more connected because, I, like you said, I didn't have to pay for a pay-per-view to watch it. Yeah, of course, I'll sit around, drink some beers, and watch you guys beat the shit out of each other on national television. That's awesome. And the fact that I get to hear Joe Rogan after is makes it even better. Joe Rogan, if you're out there, we'd love to interview. Come on the podcast, you know. But that's awesome. You know, UFC is going to blow up from ESPN, and I can't wait to watch more fights now. No, you know it, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, <laughs> I like so no one can see this except for us. But you just wrote as your one word descriptor, two word descriptor for the fight, just very sad. That's how you described it. I mean, it was it, and that's that's exactly what it was. It was not disappointing, sad, but you know, you, you walked in and I mean, it's so quick hitting and I, you know, there was no Velasquez couldn't get him to the ground. It was just two quick punches just out. And I mean, I don't know, personal opinion. Wrestling is a super underrated sport. I really enjoy watching kind of like the grappling kind of wrestling aspect when you mix it in with kind of the fighting and some heavyweight blows. It's fucking awesome. So, okay, I'm very glad that you brought that up because here's my hot take quick question for you. What was worse, watching that Velasquez fight or trying to watch former WWE champion CM Punk try and uh, fight in the UFC and just get his ass kicked completely two fights in a row and he'll probably never have another UFC fight again. I'd like to see him fight again. Cause he'll probably get his ass kicked for the third time. But what do you think was worse? I think the worst was actually, you know, I mean, I, I think the CM Punk thing's bad. I think it's bad whenever you see these people try to cross into MMA thinking that they can just get into it. And these people have been fighters his whole life with an edge on their shoulders, beat the crap out of them. I mean, I think Greg Harvey almost won, except he did a flying knee and kicked somebody in the face and knocked them the fuck out, which is completely illegal in a sport where there's very few things that can be legal. Beside the point. I mean, yeah, I don't know if this fight was necessarily awful to watch. It was just disappointing in the sense of it got really hyped up. Kane Velasquez blows his knee out 20 seconds in. Speaking of blown knees, Zion blows his knee out. He's coming up, going down the court, he busts his shoe. His knee looks like he's out of the game. And UNC was up by 20 when I turned it off to record this. This is the time, by the way, for my boy, RJ Britt, to pick it up and shine. You shine bright, you motherfucker. You sweet of the bulls. That's crazy about uh, about Zion. I hope he gets better. I hope the bulls do draft him. It'd be very nice. Let's get into our interview with Joseph Jones, the uh, linebacker from the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was recently inducted into the Plano High School Hall of Fame at the age of 24, I believe he is. Uh, we talked to him, asked him some great stuff. He gave us some great insight. Uh, you guys will love it. So here you go. Here's the interview with Joseph Jones. All right. We now welcome on to the show a recent Plano High School Hall of Fame inductee and Denver Bronco, Joseph Jones. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm out in Arizona right now. Uh, Drew's out in Virginia. Um, let's just start it off, you know, Plano High School. 
is it official now that we can say that you have surpassed Nick Nasty as the greatest athlete by the high school? Because you know you asked Mr. Green all the time, and he just wouldn't comment. Yeah, well, so you missed it. I mean, if you were the guys that were there, everyone was there. Uh, actually, Green did say that I was uh, better athlete than Nick. I personally, I I didn't get to see Nick play that much, you know. So I didn't get, to, I didn't necessarily watch. I wasn't. I played sports, but I wasn't big into watching sports then. I wouldn't even really say I was big into sports at that time. Um, so you know, I I won't say that I am. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna not say that I am. I'll say maybe on the same level as Nick. I don't, you know, I don't know. That's um, the, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna toot my horn. If other people want to say it, then they can go ahead. I'll uh, I'll be the devil's advocate and say no. Joe, we'll, uh, jump into your NFL stuff. So um, you've been on the Broncos now for two years. Um, what what do you think the mo- is the most important thing that uh, you've learned uh, from your time when you first entered and were signed by Dallas as a rookie to now uh, being on the Broncos? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Thank you. Probably, honestly, I mean, it's kind of what you need to learn everywhere you go at every level, um, but regardless of whatever it is you're doing, don't give up. Um, you know, Dallas was my first team and Denver was my fourth team. Denver was the only team I played for. Um, you know, bounce from Dallas to the Chargers to Seattle to here. And it just, at times, it's just like, why am I doing this? Why am I still trying to pursue this if it's clearly not working out? Um, I actually did debate not playing anymore if things didn't work out to Dallas. Uh, just for me, wasn't the best experience there with the organization, with the team. Um, glad I got to some other places where I actually fell back in love with football in Seattle and love it here in Denver. So, Man, don't give up. If this, if you got a dream and you want to do something, you want to chase it, and you started on that path, and you know that's what you want to do, then go get it. Um, you may not get exactly what it is you want. Um, you know, I know some, I got some guys who played with me in Dallas who are now playing in the AAF um, that aren't necessarily playing in the NFL right now. So, I mean, there's always different um, avenues, different ways to reach your dreams. It may not necessarily be exactly what it is you want, but if you want to play football, find a way to play football. If you want to sing professionally play instruments professionally find a way to do that it may not be with you know in justin timberlake's tennessee kids but it may be somewhere else you know um so you just kind of got to keep doing what you're doing chase your dreams and find whatever avenue presents itself to you all right joe you brought up dallas a lot uh we gotta ask when you were in dallas did you ever meet jerry jones uh i did jerry uh Jerry flew down his helicopter a few times. Um, so they got uh, two fields outside. So they got a turf field and a grass field. They're really connected to each other. There's a little turf expansion in between them from the turf field that kind of goes right into the grass field. And there's this little, little towers for the media people and whatnot. Um, but there's enough space for Jerry to literally land his helicopter halfway in the turf field, halfway in the grass field, walk off and walk into the facility. So, yeah, I met Jerry a few times. I talked, I said hello to him once, and that was about it. Um, but yeah, I saw Jerry a few times. We get to see his bus. I hear that he has like massive, like Dallas Cowboys bus and renegade that he brings around. With him. So, I did not. I did not get to see that. All right. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So, um, <clears throat> on. so now, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a really interesting story that we see, you know, when we watch, you know, um, casual fans, you see the superstars, you hear their stories. Is, um, you know, you've kind of been a journeyman. I think it's fair to say, kind of starting out here in the NFL. What do you, what would you say the process has, uh, has been like to um, constantly fighting for yourself to make the roster? And how did it feel uh, once you got to Denver and things have kind of stabilized now, and you really feel like maybe you found more of a home? Yeah, 
Um, man, it was crazy. Uh, for me, I've got a wife and two kids, as you can hear one in the background, probably. Um, you know, so for me, it's it's rough. I entered the NFL with a, a young one, and then last this uh, this year, I had my second. So for me, bouncing around from team to team and having to constantly fight, not knowing where I was going to be the next week, not knowing if I was going to get a paycheck the next two weeks, not knowing if I was going to ever play, not knowing if I can actually put my family out here, am I going to have to go home? It uh, very nerve-wracking, very stressful. Uh, for me, a little bit easier. I could pack up and move. I got a duffel bag, a backpack. I got my clothes and I got my Xbox and I'm good to go. Um, as far as my wife and my kids, they got a whole bunch of other stuff. We got furniture for wherever we're staying. I'm sorry, my daughter's climbing up the bed and looking at me. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, that part, it's very stressful. Once I got to Denver, still wasn't comfortable. I got to Denver halfway through the season last year, week nine, against the Patriots. Um, didn't play that game, but I was active technically. Um, and then played week 10 through the end of the season. You know, so I was happy that I actually got to finally play. But me knowing the situation I just came from the past rest, the other half of the season, I wasn't comfortable at all. We stayed in the Airbnb um, in, in Denver here last year. Um, just me and my wife and my daughter, Scarlett, the oldest one, um, didn't didn't rent a place, didn't know, didn't want to sign a, um, a lease with that, knowing I could not be here when I come back in April. Um, so luckily, thankfully, um, you know, I ended up back here. Really didn't get comfortable here um until probably like week three or four when i started to really establish myself um as you know that kind of key special teams guy knew my quarterback i'm not quarterback coach <laughs> my linebacker coach uh you know trusted me to if for some reason something happened to one of our starting guys or backup guys i was able to go in and do the defense that could contribute um which thank god i got the opportunity to do so against cincinnati which was a blast um but again didn't really get comfortable to establish myself as kind of that lead guy on special teams uh, about week three, week four. So, so you you found a home in Denver. Denver seems to like you there. What would you say is your most memorable moment so far in your NFL career? Yeah, um, kind of two tied ones. Um, the block punt uh, against the Ravens, man. You know, opening drive, um, defense stops and keeps them back. Um, I actually start opening kick. I uh, you know get the tackle inside the twenty yard line. It was great. Defense holds them three and out, and then I go and block the punt, set up a score for Royce to go in, uh, run the ball in for a touchdown. That was, you know, great. That was a great series of plays for me. Uh, great overall game for me. You know, it was, it was a ton of fun. Um, we'll never forget it. And then tied with that is, like I said, in the Cincinnati game, um, one of our guys goes down. I think it's just for a drive or two, and I'm going to be in to place him, and he's going to come back in. It's no big deal, um, but he's done for the game. I get in my very first play. I make my very first defensive tackle in the NFL. Uh, I think I had maybe seven or eight tackles that game. I don't remember, but it was just just fun to be out there. It took me a second, get my nerves going uh, out of there. Um, you know, playing defense in the NFL, making sure I know my stuff right, not holding these guys back, making sure nothing nothing's different with me being there versus Josie being there. Um, and I just I just had a fun time. So. so <laughs> your daughter's really uh, getting yeah. after it over there. Yeah, she's trying to she's trying to add her two cents in. <laughs> she's got a lot to say so um yeah. so what's it like trying to tackle uh, an nfl player right is there is there a huge difference between you know the the average college running back let's say versus a professional running back and if so what's what's that big kind of key factor 
uh, I mean, yeah, you take an average college running back and then you line them up, line up against Todd Gurley and tell me if there's a difference. Um, no, I'm not trying to come to Sam, but yeah, no, there's a, there's a major difference. Um, you know, that's low men wins matters, but it's not always, you know, you could be the lowest man and you could be stiff arm down to the ground. Um, so, I mean, just kind of, there's a confidence that matters. That's really honestly the biggest goal. If you have the confidence that you're going to make the tackle, you'll make the tackle. If you go in there timid and you don't know you're going to make the tackle, you duck your head or whatever, you're not looking where you're trying to tackle, you're going to miss it. Um, and even if you do go in confident, you still may miss the tackle because they're NFL players and they get paid too. Um, so it's just, <laughs> you know, it, it's much different, much, much different. Um, but, you know, confidence is probably the biggest factor, I would say, in making a tackle. So, Joe, what – what would your next goal for your NFL career be besides winning a Super Bowl? Because everybody yeah. will say, what, yeah, yeah. what What? would be your next personal goal in your career? Uh, I, I got a few, few that I wanted to accomplish this year that I didn't accomplish. Um, so I'm going to, you know, rebuild on those and try and reach for them. Uh, the first is if, you know, I continue to just be a, primarily a special teams guy and not playing defense, I want 20 special teams tackles. Um, I think I had... 15 or 16 this year and I missed about just that many so I have opportunity to have about 30 tackles and um, you know didn't capitalize on some opportunities some missed some really really easy ones so I easily should have had 20 but I didn't so uh, the goal is 20 tackles um, three block punts or kicks however they come um, had plenty of opportunities to block some more punts uh, in my opinion I should have gave extra effort and the ref also missed, missed some holding calls but it, it is what it is. So I didn't block three punts, so now I got to go block three this year. Um, and then to make it to the Pro Bowl, almost made it there. I thought I had a chance um, as a special teamer. I thought I was probably one of the best guys in the league. And obviously, I got beat up by some other guys. And props to them. Respect, much respect to them. But uh, that's my spot. So I'm going to go for that. So oh, um, I want to take it back a little bit to the college days. So you played at Northwestern. But under Pat Fitzgerald, what's it what's it like playing for Pat? Um, you know, he's been around for a while. He's obviously been pretty established. Is he a player's coach? Is he kind of a hard nosed motherfucker? Like, what what's kind of your <laughs> uh, combination of the two? Uh, but definitely, definitely a player's coach. Like that was the number one reason why I decided to go play football there. Um, you know, went on there a couple of visits, went there for a camp, and just his speech to the players after the camp, I was like this dude is legit, <laughs> um, you know, great guy, you know, genuine person. What you see is what you get. Um, you don't get any BS from him, uh, whether he's talking to media, whether he's talking to your parents or whether he's talking to you on the field. Um, he gives you who he is and what he cares about. And he truly cares about the players. He truly cares about the team, cares about Northwestern in general. Um, that man's not going anywhere. I know there have been rumors about him possibly coaching in the NFL. He's not going to be coaching in the NFL unless something crazy happens. That man is coaching in Boston until he's no longer coaching um, or he goes to coach his kids somewhere. I don't know. But, you know, that man is the genuine article um, definition of a Northwestern Wildcat. So. All right. Then uh, I, I have to ask. So I, I went to the University of Wisconsin. So, uh, so, yeah. So one. <laughs> so one. Why the hell is Northwestern always able to beat Wisconsin? Like, is there like something you guys got going on in the Gatorade? Is there like something Pat just like <laughs> up the game? Like, what what what's going on with that? Because I mean, I got a bone to pick about that. It's always whenever they go into uh, you know, it seems like whenever they go into Ryan Field, there's almost like we have no confidence that uh that Wisco could pull it out against you. You know, just the the better team wins, and 
sometimes the better team doesn't win <laughs> and we just happen to get lucky. Um, you know, I can't, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but, uh, yeah, we beat Wisconsin. Go Cats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, um, also, so, so the shitty grass at Ryan Field, right? You guys got to think that gives oh, you all man, an unfair. Don't get me started on that. That's not an advantage. That's not, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to nip this now. Not an advantage nope. because what I practice on all week is not that quality. So therefore <laughs> I'm not used to it either. We, the same way everyone else goes out there and like, what is this? We go out there with the exact same feeling. So it's not an advantage. We're, we're playing on even, even terms on that. <laughs> I mean, come on, you got to admit, though, when uh, when it gets cold up there in, in Chicago around uh, the wintertime, it gets dry, and then, uh, you know, you're trying to run the ball, run the ball, and uh, you can't run the ball anywhere between the hash marks because the, yeah. the gas is up five mm-hmm. minutes into the game. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's rough, man. It's rough. Hopefully that gets that gets fixed, but uh, that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Joe, uh, you, you, did, you went to Northwestern. Uh, you described a little bit some of the factors on why you went there, but what were some of the other offers that you had at other schools? Um, actually, Northwestern was the first offer, and so I took it. But uh, I knew I'd probably have one or two coming in from Toledo, um, Central Michigan. Uh, I know Illinois was coming, going to come to Plano and come visit, actually. Um, that was after I signed with Northwestern. Um, and that's at least what I could remember. So, I mean, I didn't have any offers. I didn't wait. Um, by that time I made my commitment to Northwestern. I already knew that's where I wanted to go even before then. Um, I was just kind of waiting on that opportunity and I took it right away. So once that happened, I was, I was done. I was sold. I mean, I think you made the right choice. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, you, I'm happy. I, yeah. I think you made a great choice. Uh, another question for you. Ever since high school, you know, we went to the same high school. We were in the same weightlifting classes. Do you remember when I asked you, I said, Joe, one day you're going to make it to the NFL. I want your autograph now. And you looked at me like I was crazy. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, I probably, yes. Yeah, I was, you, you, weren't, you weren't the only one to say some crazy stuff back then, so. Yeah, but this is this is the difference. So I saw you were built like an NFL player back in high school. And was, not many kids you were not I, scrawny, dude. You were. Bro, huge. I wasn't. I wasn't scrawny for a Plano High School kid. But if we pull up some pictures and compare now and then, obviously, I, I have. I weigh. Let me see. Let me see. My senior year of high school, going in Northwestern, I think I was like 195. I weighed two. I yeah, like 195. That was like two percent body fat. Okay, maybe. However, I weighed 195. I got to Northwestern. And after six weeks of being there, I ended that six-week summer program, classes and working out and whatever, at 225. I now weigh between 230 to 240. So, in my opinion, I was a scrawny kid back then. I may have been, like, buff and, and ripped for a, a Plano High School kid. But, man, I, I was – I look back and I was like, wow, I was a scrawny kid. Well, especially if you see some of, you know, the kids that are coming out, like, you look like you know, the SEC – and these kids are, I mean, they're, they're coming out, you know, two, two sixty, two seventy-six, not like three percent body fat. You know, you got some freaks coming out of the exactly. high school system. Zion. We, we're going to talk about a, a huge football looking kid, Zion. I didn't look like that. <laughs> and I and I sure as heck didn't move like that either. <laughs> I think Zion's superhuman. So, I mean, that's besides the point. I mean, that, that dude. Something's going on in the water at his house. but Yeah, right. Right. It's got, it's all the milk is, uh. 
Harbaugh would say. Okay, yeah. so, <laughs> so um, I guess a quick question really to your sir. Was Quentin as scrawny as he is now in high school, or is he a... Because <laughs> we were doing weightlifting classes. Go ahead, Joe. Tell, tell me your honest opinion of me back in high school. When we first met, what did you think? Well, You're like no, a was... fat kid trying to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. I mean, it, hey, you know, Iris, everyone. So this is my opinion. So you were my weightlifting class, right? And so this is my opinion of every, especially athletes. They're, if you're an athlete or you want to be, if you consider yourself an athletic type person, and you're in PE and not in weightlifting class, uh, I have a opinion on you. But if you're in the weightlifting class, whether you're an athletic kid or you're the scrawniest kid in school or the fattest kid in school, much, much, much respect to that person. So <laughs> that was the humble response for a fat ass getting the gym. Oh my <laughs> gosh, not even. No, no, no. I, I know what you mean, though. It's all about the effort, right? It's all about putting it yeah, in first. It's all about the effort. I mean, if you wanted to get better and you wanted to do something other than just sit around and possibly shoot around or play dodgeball every now and then, then get your butt in the weight room. So. Definitely. Definitely. So, okay. Going back to high school and your high school football days, I believe you still wear the same jersey number, correct? You wear yeah. three. What, yeah, what is so. the significance behind that number? There is none. So, uh, what? Eighth grade year, I think I was, was that 34? It, 34 in eighth grade, or, or maybe 34 for my freshman year. Um, and I just chose a number. It was like, all right. Um, and then Peruski, Eric Peruski decided that, I think it was my sophomore year, that because he was now playing a different position and he could be an eligible number, that he wanted 34 back. And I was like, all right, whatever. I tried to fight him on it, couldn't do it. He was older than me. So I was like, fine, I'll just flip the numbers around. So I went with 43. Um, and it just kind of stuck with that. I wanted it in college, but uh, an older guy had it. He was a fullback. So I just went to 42. That was the closest thing I could get to. So I went 42. Loved it. Um, and then actually getting to the NFL, I wanted to stick with 42. But when I first got to Dallas, uh, they gave 42 to somebody else, and they gave me 43. So I was like, all right, well, I guess 43 is back to where I'm at. So I kind of went 43, 42, 43. So. So it's kind of a little destiny there, getting your old yeah. back. Exactly. I just have kind of happened to work out. I didn't have it in Seattle. Someone else had it in Seattle. A DB had it, um, so I got to pick up my baby. Um, but um, in Dallas, I think L.A., and then obviously here, um, I was able to get 43. So say hi. Can I say hi? Uh, she's no. adorable. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We'll get a guest feature here. Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, we'll we'll start wrapping things up quick. We got a couple more. Um, really quick, did you base um your linebacker play off anybody that you watched growing up? Um, or is there any kind of one in particular that you remember you kind of like comes to mind? Yeah, uh, no, because I didn't watch football growing up. I didn't, uh, so I didn't play until eighth grade. Um, and even then, I honestly didn't really start watching pro ball until I got into the pros <laughs> maybe maybe my fifth year is kind of when I started when I knew that's where I wanted to go um as much as I love playing sports I'm not big on watching a ton um I mean I watch now because it's my job so I kind of just watch it and I have a different respect for the guys on the field being a professional athlete along alongside them um so it's a little different than I obviously have some buddies that play hey, hey calm down. um so that's kind of why I watch now so no one in particular I will say um, 
respect for London Fletcher. Um, I actually one of my mom's friends growing up, um, I think back in college. And so um, friend, technically a family friend of mine, um, huge, huge respect to Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright in uh, Seattle. Took me under the ring, wing right away when I got there. Uh, treated me like a brother. So much love and respect to them. And then obviously here, um, Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall. Um, I mean, I've tried to follow Todd everywhere he goes, everything he does, um, and talk to B. Marsh about everything technique-wise and just my mindset about being an NFL player, you know, the position I'm in, not necessarily starting, not necessarily playing on defense, but just the attitude I kind of have. So, I mean, those five guys and, I mean, mostly those four, really, that are still playing now are kind of like where – I got my attitude and what I base my stuff off now. So, what was it like playing for Pete Carroll? Dude's awesome. <laughs> dude is dude is the definition. Like when you say players coach, like there's tons of players coaches, but he is the number one players coach out there. It's it's amazing. That team is just so much fun. Um, free throw competitions during team meetings, like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, like, if I was – so, say Northwestern and Wisconsin were playing that week, um, me and some other Wisconsin player would be picked as a matchup to go against each other in a free throw competition um, in the team meeting room. So, stuff like that. Or I'd even go against a coach. So, it's it's kind of cool. It's tons of fun. Definitely. Okay, Joe. So, I don't know how uh, often you've been around the team lately, but what what's the atmosphere been like since the announcement of Vic Fangio getting signed? Yeah, um, haven't been around anybody really. I mean, I've been around some guys um, working out, but I mean, no one's really. Everyone's really gone. Everyone's gone back home, um, so no one, no one's really gotten to sit down and be able to have any meetings or anything like that. So, I'm not really sure how everyone's feeling. I'm excited personally. Um, you know, I, I love that we stole somebody from the Bears because obviously being from Illinois and everybody's Bears fans and kind of got to rub that in their faces. Um, but. I mean, other than that, I met him, talked to him for about two minutes. He was kind of busy getting ready to go and just kind of got here. So um, haven't had time to really get to know him and talk to him and kind of get in his mind and figure out what we're doing defensively. But, I mean, obviously a great defen- uh, defensive coordinator. Um, deserves to be a head coach, I think. Has deserved for a while. So excited to see what it means for us. Okay. I, I understand that. I mean, it hurts losing Vic, but I think Chuck is going to do wonders for the Bears. Not nearly as good as Vic. But, uh, <laughs> all right, Andrew, you Want to get on to our final questions here before we let him go? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I know that we hear enough about I guess, rookie hazing in the uh, NFL. Um, when you get, when, uh, <laughs> but when you when you got to Denver, was there any kind of hazing that happens, or you know, the new guy kind of like uh, kind of breaking y'all in and kind of making it like a uh, kind of fostering some teammate or uh, a team environment? Yeah, or what? You had to, like, for dinner one night or something. I actually, I probably had the best rookie experience uh, out of anybody. It was great. I think the only the only thing I'd rather do was at Dallas. We had to sing and do a skit or whatever a couple times, and that was about it. And I did a pretty good job. I think probably one of the best ones. Uh, <laughs> but no, when I got to Seattle, um, actually, so at Seattle, I've been on practice where I've been bouncing around, didn't really have any money, just came fresh out of college. Um, and rookie's job, I was the only rookie to pick up breakfast um, on off days. And so didn't have any money. So actually Bobby lent me some money and KJ lent me his car to go get some. So I didn't have a car, didn't have a vehicle, didn't have any money. They both took care of me and like, hey, just go, go get it. I was like, all right, cool. Um, got to, got here. No, half the people didn't realize it was a rookie. Um, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. I guess the way, love my class, love my guys. Uh, just the way, the attitude and 
kind of the way they helped themselves was not very professional, I guess, is the best way. I wasn't here for it. I didn't see most of it, so I don't know. Um, I would set myself a little bit differently than that, so didn't really get thrown into that group, and I wasn't there right away. So most people didn't think I was a rookie until I was like, yeah, I'm just my first year. Um, so no, didn't have to uh, experience any crazy rookie hazing, even though we did uh, cut some, did some crazy haircuts this year for the rookies. Uh, we went out to rookie dinner, ran the bill, had some fun. So um, I've got all the benefits, none of the consequences of being a rookie. <laughs> Do it. Um, what what was the breakfast like in Seattle? Was it were we talking Starbucks or were we talking like uh like um, some just a, <laughs> No, I just went to uh went to pick up some Panera sandwiches. I don't know if anybody had any specific stuff. Uh, I went to had get wings stop one time, so got a butt ton of wings, barbecue wings, different flavors, made sure I had to get just drumsticks, no no, no wings or anything like that. So it was like I said, my experience, man, was simple and easy. That's great. All right, Quentin, you have your last one. Yeah, one last question for you, Joe. You know, you're doing awesome in the NFL right now. You had a great college career. I know you graduated with a degree, too. Uh, not many people do that. They leave college early. They go to the league. But where, what do you see yourself doing when that day comes when football is no longer in your life? No, I mean, I'll be playing until I'm 99. Uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, no. Um, I mean, one number one role that I got now, even with football, is being a husband and a dad, first and foremost. Um, so raising these beautiful two girls, maybe one day have another kid. We'll see what happens with that. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, so we're going for number three. Um, but as far as, like, career-wise, man, thinking about being a coach, um, not necessarily, like, coaching a team or anything like that, maybe, like, starting my own, like, personal training up or um, having a business like that. Um, to where I can kind of get to know players on an individual basis, build them up as as people, not just as athletes, um, kind of combine that in a sense. So that's kind of where my mind's at now. It's not where it was a couple of years ago, so you never know. I got a couple more years, hopefully. Hopefully at least 10 more years. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I uh, got a couple more years to finally like put the fine print on that, you know, fine tune details on that. But as of right now, I'm thinking about coaching. Sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. That's all we got for you, Joe. So we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us and come down to the podcast. Uh, we hope to talk to you soon. You're always welcome back. And I'm still waiting for that autograph. If you want to send me like, an autograph jersey or something I can frame for the studio later, that'd be awesome. But You, you, you send me something, I'll sign it and send it back to you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Joe. No, Best of luck no problem. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And that was the interview with Joseph Jones. That interview was brought to you by Suazo Painting. Suazo Painting has been painting the Chicagoland area for about 20 to 25 years. It's ran by a man named Raul Suazo, who came here to America and started his own business. He is the best. He's the cheapest around. He does interior, exterior, stains decks, power washes, removes wallpaper, puts in trim, crown molding paints you know whatever you want done he can do it and you could give him a call at 630-272-2096 or send him an email at suazo painting that's s-u-a-z-o-p-a-i-n-t-i-n-g at icloud.com uh so while i was in phoenix also for the cubs uh, spring training and practice, we had NBA All-Star Weekend. I don't know what your takes were on it, but I thought it was one of the more entertaining NBA All-Stars that 
I've personally witnessed. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I, I didn't watch the game. <laughs> I watched the dunk contest. I watched the skills challenges. And I don't know. Every All-Star game just doesn't hit it with me as much. But I'm willing to work through it. Uh, the fight was on. So, as I mentioned earlier, the UFC had me uh, thoroughly entertained for a couple hours there. Um, that being said, we did have some wild shit going on in the skills challenges. Um, Jason Tate really robs Trey Young, and he decides to uh, just predict that the Celtics are going to win it all. So, I don't know what you thought about that, but I mean, it's some, that's some wild shit. Yeah, he robs Trey Young. There, Trey Young's got his ass beat. You know, he's dusting Jason Tatum. He's coming up to make the three-pointer. And what does Jason Tatum do? He fucking lobs up a half-court shot and drains it. Which I was like, dude, you just robbed Trey Young on his first ever skills challenge. I was so uh, I felt bad for Trey Young. I I you know, it's a three-point shot. I get it. But there should be a rule next year, dude. You can't do that. Because what's stopping someone from, like, LeBron or Curry who just throws up a full-court shot at the end and drains it? Like, what? I mean, I don't know if you'd ever see LeBron or do a skills challenge. But I would love to see them get into the dunk contest. And um, we can definitely get into that. I don't know if, what your thoughts were. I mean, I mean, Diallo had that sick fucking dunk over Shaq. He, I mean, he cheated, though, by the way. Stupid cool. It was the best thing. It was the best dunk I've seen in my lifetime in a dunk contest. Like, me witnessing and understanding firsthand, not watching, like, a flashback of Vince Carter. He did. He dunked over Shaq and Vince Cartered his elbow in the rim. First attempt. Controversy with, though. Controversy here. He did push off of Shaq's shoulder. So does that mean that he actually jumped over Shaq? No, it definitely means he jumped over Shaq. Shaq is like seven feet tall, and the man has a 48-inch vertical. That man, what made it cool, though, was the elbow thing at the end. I was not expecting that. I mean, I, I get that. I get that. The dunk contest is still lost flair, too. I mean, it, it's still there, but, you know, it, it would be better to have some big-name stars in it. I think kind of like going back to like the late 90s, early 2000s, get some dudes in it, you know, your Vince Carters of the world. I mean, just get some guys, you know, even even Blake Griffin when he jumped over the Kia, that was something because at least at the time he was kind of a big dunker coming up. I mean, hopefully we see some guys like Zion or, um, you know, some future NBA dudes down the line actually kind of getting involved with that and doing a little bit more of it. I think, um, didn't Giannis ask, I think he posted on Twitter asking if people want to be in it next year, right? Well, no, this is what happened. Um, Giannis tweeted out, oh, maybe next year or something. And Donovan Mitchell commented saying, oh, if you're going to do it, I'll do it. So that would be cool to see Donovan Mitchell and Giannis in the dunk contest. And I know Skip get, uh, Skip Bayless was going off on a tangent about LeBron, how LeBron has never done the dunk contest, even when he was younger. And he would like to see LeBron do the dunk contest. I mean, that's one thing that Michael did that that's how he, the iconic logo was in the dunk contest. So what, what does LeBron have to do to, to, you know, kind of live in those shoes? Like what could, it's not even about living in the shoes of Michael, but it's like, what could LeBron do in the dunk contest 
to make his brand more iconic than what it is? What would be LeBron's logo? Would it be like the cockback dunk or would it be like, I don't know. I don't know what silhouette they would use. I mean, I don't know. I think, I, I don't think LeBron at this point is even going to do it. I think he just doesn't see the point in it. And that's kind of sad to admit, but I think like NBA stars right now just don't see it as something that they necessarily want to like get super involved in. I think it's something more for the up and coming guys. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And then we had the three point contest. I told him, uh, I was sitting there with Marcus Kamadi and we're sitting there watching and he's like, oh man, Steph's going to win. Steph's going to win. And I was like, dude, I said this at the beginning. I said, dude, don't sleep on Joe Harris. He's on my fantasy team. He's been solid. Don't sleep on Joe Harris. He's like, who the fuck is Joe Harris? I was like, he's a he's a sharpshooter from the Brooklyn Nets. He put up 26 the first round, 26 the final round, and ended up beating Steph Curry to secure his first ever three-point uh, contest victory. And I thought it was awesome because I, I love seeing new faces win events. I, I hate when the same people every single year, you know, win this win uh awards i i think it's great dude the nets by the way they have a solid young team i'm a big d'angelo russell guy man i think i think d'angelo russell's the fucking man oh yeah magic johnson is regretting regretting trading d'angelo russell and julius Randle. so we go back to the nba all-star game we go back to the nba all-star game and you didn't watch the game but i did before uh before the game me and you had a little uh like we had discussion about how many minutes Dwayne Wade and Dirk were going to get Dirk looked good he did look good he played 4 minutes and he went 3 for 3 from the three point line he drained them and they were all like 6 feet behind the three point line he was throwing up rainbows from logos and it was awesome to see vintage Dirk. We got to see Dwayne Wade dunk. Dwayne Wade played 11 minutes. I think the over under we were both saying for both was seven minutes. And you know the old old uh, Father Time. He's he's still got it a little bit. You know it's it's cool to see him in their last All Star game, which I personally don't think they should have been there to begin with. But Adam Silver's like, hey, you guys are legends. You know, let's put, like you said about Bryce Harper, let's put some asses in these seats and we'll put Dirk and Dwayne Wade in the All-Star game. But the All-Star game, it was like any any other All-Star game, not a lot of defense. Uh, it didn't start getting really competitive until the second half. LeBron's team was down by 16 at one point and then they came back and won. But Damian Lillard went, stupid he went stupid in the all-star game he was making everything d'angelo russell like you were talking about was making a lot of shots Giannis finished with 38 but the mvp was kevin durant and kevin durant it was his first all-star mvp since 2012 with the thunder and you know they they just looked comfortable playing out there together. Kyrie threw up an alley oop to LeBron. He threw it down. But the coolest thing about the All Star game was the Steph Curry bounce pass to Giannis, who grabbed it maybe six, maybe okay, six feet is a little excessive. Maybe like three feet higher than the rim and barely palmed it and put it back in. It made like the Sports Center top two play, but that was. Uh, 
that was really cool to watch. Yeah, dude, I did see the highlights of that. That that was wild. I did mention, I believe, on this podcast, so give me credit for that, that the Steph Curry honest dynamic would be awesome to watch. Um so I got it down there. Actually, wait, I want to ask you about this because it just came to mind. What, what's your stance on KD? Are you a KD guy? I don't think we've ever actually talked about this. I was a very big Kevin Durant supporter. I was a very big Kevin Durant supporter. I, I really liked him. I liked his worth his work ethic, and I liked how he how he projected himself with the city of Oklahoma. And I thought, like he is now, I thought he was going to, once LeBron's gone, it's going to be Kevin Durant's league. Um, Kevin Durant is a seven-foot shooter, which you don't see very much. He's very athletic. He's not, you know, he's not the biggest guy on the court, but he's versatile. He's agile. And he, he, he gets the job done. But when he jumped ship the one year that the Warriors took him down, when they should have beat the Warriors in the playoffs, he jumped ship and he's like, oh, if you can't beat him, join him. He took the easy way out to go get championships, which, you know, I understand. You want to ring, but when you do that, you're looked at as the bad guy. That's why Russell had beef with him. He never even, you know, told Russell Westbrook, like, hey, man, I'm going to leave. You know, thanks for playing with me. You're still one of my boys. And he just basically said, fuck you, Oklahoma. I'm out. And they had a good team. They had a good team around them. They could have made another run, but you know it is what it is. I I would really like for Kevin Durant to pull a LeBron James and after Miami go back to Cleveland type scenario, where after he gets his rings here in Golden State, because he's got to be a free agent. I would like to see him go back to Oklahoma, but now. There's no way that that can happen with Paul George, who should win the MVP, by the way, because that is now Paul George's team. Russell Westbrook, he's not a good shooter. I think that Paul George is the franchise now for the Oklahoma State Thunder. But I heard a lot of rumors saying uh, Kevin Durant to the Knicks and all this other stuff because they have the money. And I don't know if you saw the interview when they were asking him, hey, do you know about the Knicks? You're going to go to the Knicks? He's like, oh, I'm not talking about that or anything. You know, he was wearing the Chicago White Sox hat. And I'm sitting there thinking, if I was media and I was in that room with Kevin Durant, the only question I would have for Durant after the game would be, Kevin, do you even watch the White Sox? Like, why are you wearing a White Sox hat when I know for a fact you probably don't even know anybody on the goddamn team? And you're all the way out in Golden State. That just makes no sense to me. And, you know, Kevin Durant, I I don't like you. Not not since the way that you left, like LeBron left Cleveland. And well, I've never been a LeBron supporter either because I just got tired of seeing LeBron in the finals. But now that he's getting older, I might, you know, cheer him on to try and win one in L.A. But that's my take on Kevin Durant. I don't know how you feel about him. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he said well. I was just, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, he, I, I think he wants the rings, and I think he just is a big rings guy, which I can respect. You know, you want to go win. I mean, I haven't been a fan of him since he left Oklahoma City either. I think he kind of pushed a lot of people off when he joined up with uh, Stephen Clay in Golden State. They formed a super team. And, I mean, you know, I think dude will get his rings. 
But I, I don't even agree with you that it's going to be his league when he's out. I think it's Giannis's league. And I think after Giannis's league, if Zion looks as good as he does, it's going to be Zion's league. I think Kevin Durant's going to get kind of washed up in this kind of like always the kind of bridesmaid, never the bride in terms of the face of the NBA. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You know, when free agency hits, there's a lot of free agents that are going to become available. But the one player that I, I've told you before, when he becomes a free agent, that's going to get more publicity than Kevin Durant is Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is the only player in the NBA who I believe could fit into any team's uh, organization. He could fit to fit into the role nicely for any single franchise. Any franchise could use him in their game plan. Kevin Durant, it's a different story. You know, some teams, they don't have that guy, you know, to be the man. But Klay Thompson, he doesn't have to be the man. He is the perfect number two option for any team in the NBA. Should we get into our starting five? Yeah, I we're think, uh, NBA. We, yeah. For everybody who didn't listen last week, uh, one of our segments is called Starting Five. Uh, every week or every other week or whenever we feel like doing it, you know, we discuss a random topic, anything that pops in our head, and we choose our five best things that we would put on our starting roster for that topic. And for this week, it is the Starting Five Foods to Eat When You're Stoned. Andrew, you're ready. Start it off. All right. So if I were to be stoned and I was picking food, you know, you're out, kind of maybe a little Vegas, you know, a little Boston, Massachusetts living, stop in a little dispensary, pick up a little something, something for the night, you know, kick your feet back, relax. First thing I'm going to hand at my side is Sour Patch Kids. That's a good one. A little bit of sugary, pretty sweet. Kind of just chuck a whole handful of those fuckers in your mouth, and the next thing you know, you look over, 30 minutes past, the bag's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. The Sour Patch Kids are very, very good. But my number one would have to be a bowl of cereal. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, preferably. Because you're sitting there, you take a bong rip, you're out of your mind sitting there probably listening to Section 312 or watching some basketball game, and you're munching down on the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You know, the milk gets all cinnamony, and it's so delicious, and you keep refilling the bowl until the milk is gone, and 10 minutes go by, and the fucking box is empty. I'm going general now with this, but obviously the place you go at 2 a.m., you're either drunk, you're stoned, you're just feeling out of it. Talk well. Oh, Anything. Like oh my cheap. god! Like the loaded grillers. Bro, I fuck with the loaded grillers. I fuck with just plain tacos. I'll fuck with bean burritos for that sake. If I'm just scraping together some change, man, those things are like sixty cents. You get like five of those fuckers, and you just munch for with your buddies for about like twenty minutes. Oh, you don't even let, like you don't even wait till you get back. You go through the drive-through and you don't even wait till you get back. You just eat everything in the car. And then you get home. You're like, shit, where'd my food go? That's a good one. Taco Bell is a very, very good one. My number two for my starting five would have to be fruit snacks. You go, you grab a handful of like five to six packs of fruit snacks. You just open them all up at once and just 
plow your mouth for fruit snacks and you're just chonking down on the gooey, so delicious, different variety and flavors of these fruit snacks. And I could go through a whole box of fruit snacks. Aren't fruit snacks just diet Sour Patch Kids? <laughs> if that's what you want to call them. Did you get the Scooby-Doo ones, though? Oh, the Scooby-Doo ones were so good. Bro, the blue they added in the blue flavor. It was the blue, the blue Scooby head, the blue Scooby head. That's what you're talking about. Think of like Scooby Doo fruit snacks and like think of the blue ones. Those things were like a hot commodity. Like if you're trading like those in like elementary school or middle school cafeteria table, like that's like oil, and like everyone just jumps for it. Like you know you got the red and like the orange and these are like kind of shitty things. We're talking like wheat apples and it's like the fucking whole line of like the one blue fruit snack that someone got. Yeah, that's All right. those are the best. Oh, my number three that I'm going to go with, hmm. you know, oh man, this is, uh, I guess, yeah, just if I was going to go for one, and it, this is probably what actually be my go-to personally, just a big, huge family size bag of Doritos, like uh, the salty, and then like, bro, I don't know if you get this when you eat Doritos, but like, they're almost kind of shitty at first. But then, like, as you eat more, they taste better and better. And then you just, next thing you know, you're shoveling handfuls in your mouth. Yeah, and then the bag's gone. The ba- You buy the whole family size bag, and you realize you eat half the bag, and you're like, fuck, I got to get on the treadmill and run tomorrow because I'm becoming a fat ass. Dude, oh, God. God. I fucking that, know. Okay. That's, that's a great one. That is a great one. Um, my number three, when you don't have any money, and there's no food in the house, and you have to get creative, you make ramen with cheese. You sprinkle some cheese on there, and you basically make a makeshift macaroni and cheese from ramen noodles, and you sit there and you eat the thing, and it tastes pretty gross, but then you're like, oh, man, I just ate ramen with cheese because there was nothing in the house. But, you know, at least, you know, I'm feeling myself, and now I'm full, so now it's time for bed. I do. I didn't want to sound weird by picking ramen, so I'm happy that you bit the bullet for me. Because, yeah, I was definitely, like, that was an honorable mention of mine was ramen noodles. So, minor side story. One time, I was just hammered as fuck. Maybe maybe a little bit, like, wacky tobacco You know, I, I was I was fucking feeling myself. And I went out in my kitchen, and, like, I'm a fucking broke college student at the time back in Madison. And so, I get my fridge, and I make brats with sliced in to ramen with, like, hot sauce. And it was... Probably the most disgusting thing I had it the next day sober, but at the time it was like fucking Jesus he just walked out and like at the communion things that they serve stuff in. They should <laughs> just put ramen, fucking brats and hot sauce in that thing because it was like that. It was like someone coming down at you with like the fucking sunbeams around him, like presenting it to me. Do you fuck with any of the weird ramen flavors? Or you just go solid chicken. I like the beef. I like the beef one. I'm not a seafood guy, so I don't really like the shrimp one or. You know, the roasted chicken and the chicken, they're the same thing, you know. If you ever go to, like, some of the weird stores, like the, the Asian markets or whatever, where they have, like, whole pigs and shit in the back, they have, like, 50 different ramen flavors on the wall. I, I always, uh, I'll, I'll go to the yakisobas. The yakisobas, they're, like, the 60 cents, and they have the different flavors. Those are pretty good, but uh, ramen noodles is definitely, definitely a good one. Definitely a good one. What are we at? Are we on your right. number four? Your number four? So, okay. Number four. Yeah. 
So I'm going to go with, and this is very Chicago-based, a Portillo's strawberry milkshake. Oh, my God. That was my next one, you bastard. Oh, my God. I just had Portillo's, too, in Arizona. I was fucking blessed that there was a Portillo's out there in Mesa. And I was like, oh, my God, there's no Portillo's here in Carbondale. I got to get Portillo's while I was out there. But I forgot to get the milkshake. I got a big beef with hot peppers and a chili cheese dog with onions. And we, I, right when we got home, I set my food down on the counter. And then I went in so we could record the interview with Joseph. And I came back out. And my hot dog was gone. Fucking Marcus's dog ate the hot dog. I was so mad. I was looking forward to that hot dog, but at least they didn't get the big beef. But the strawberry shake, yes. I, I agree 100%. You can't be a basic bitch and get the goddamn brownie shake either. Although the chocolate cake shake is good, the strawberry shake is easily the best one. Uh, no, I do not like – see, I'm not a chocolate person, and I don't really like cake either. So the chocolate cake shake just sounds like yak in a cup. Oh, man, that's tough. That's tough. My number four? Is that what I'm on, my number four? Yeah, you're in your number four. Well, you took ice cream from me, so that's that's out the door. My number four would have to be White Castle because you, you get so hungry – you go to White Castle and you order a Crave case of 30 and then you're five sliders deep and you feel like the fattest dude around and you're like, holy fuck, what am I going to do with the rest of these sliders? Bro, but yes, that's the best part. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you like eat a couple and you're like, oh God, I have to be almost out of this food, which is like when you're chopped is like easily one of the worst feelings. And then you just look over and you're like, oh, hell no, I got like 10, 15 more of these mini burgers next to me. Fuck yeah, I'm just going to munch on the rest of these for the next three hours. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good one. All right. Um, God, I'm on number five. Okay, let me think here. Who is your center? Who's your center for your for your top five foods to eat when you're stoned? Oh God. Well, hmm. I already want milkshake, but I really want to go ice cream too. Because nah, same thing. That's the same thing, dude. Oh come on. All right. That's because I was going to go ice cream. I was going to go like half fudge Sunday or something. But it's the same thing. It's ice cream. You already took ice cream. Ice cream is off the board. A milkshake is slightly different, though, than ice cream. You have to admit. Okay. It is slightly different, but it's still part of the ice cream family. It's in the same family? Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. Let me see. Well, I guess staying away from – I'm going to go with a drink, right? So if, if I know like – man, if you ever get like any kind of like – fruit flavored pop like orange orange soda or like grape soda when it, it like hits your mouth and the carbonation it, it's probably the most elegant fucking it's it's like jesus is just coming in my mouth it's kind of <laughs> the best way i can describe it like fizzes it gets like that perfect kind of like shit it, it's 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 beautiful it's yeah easily a top one right there is any kind of fruit flavored drink or actually fuck any soda period because i'm a goddamn fat fuck but that's beside the point yeah, you know, I didn't think about drinks and stuff like that. Um, You're old. My center, my center, my number five for my starting five foods would have to be a one-pound bag of teriyaki beef jerky. Because I would be sitting there munching on this beef jerky knowing that it's protein and it's somewhat good for you, but you shouldn't eat an excessive amount of it. 
and I could just devour the bag. I would devour the whole thing. And Bella, my French bulldog, she would sit next to me, and I'd used to give her beef jerky as her treats. Now every time I pull out a thing of beef jerky, her face is just, like, in the bag. She's like, you better give me a piece of that beef jerky because you know that I love that shit. Do you fuck with any of the other flavors, though? Like, I like uh-huh. I, I haven't tried a lot of the other flavors. I've always, you know, once you find something you like, you don't really like to drift from the path. For sure. God. Okay, so that rounds out five. I, I, honorable mentions, I do have to admit. Kettle corn popcorn came to mind. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. But I don't know, though, right? Because, like, that shit gets in your teeth, and then you got to, like, pick through it, and then, like, you get, like, a kernel stuck in there. It, it's a fucking shit show. So, but still eating, but you still shovel it in your mouth like it's water. God, that's kind of a really sad recurring theme of all these, isn't it? It's just something that you can very easily sit there, space out, and just shovel into your mouth. <laughs> yeah, you just finish it. You just finish it. Man. All right, so that was our starting five of the top five foods to eat. Our, our top five foods to eat uh, when you are higher than giraffe pussy. So... <laughs> We have other segments that we will probably get into later uh, throughout, you know, the year. Uh, we have some ideas. We came up with the seven wonders of the 2019 sports world. Uh, basically, Drew and I, we get seven opportunities throughout the entire year to name either a team or a player or a certain play that we can name as our top one of our seven wonders of the world. And Drew, I would like to cash one in right now. Go for it. So we're going to have to keep a tally. And my seven wonder of the world was the double doink. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to keep that there, then yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, as we kind of go through stuff, I'm going to kind of keep mine um, sitting in my back pocket since we're starting a little late. Well, I got six left. I got six left now, but I, I had to secure that one before I got taken because otherwise I believe the bears could have made it to the super bowl and they possibly could have took down the saints and they could have took down the Patriots. So the double doink was one of the seven wonders heard around the world. Oh God. Okay. I'm, I'm sure there's been a couple that have already gone on, but like I said, I'm going to keep mine on my back pocket. It's still early. We're only hitting up March. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty uh, between kind of the NBA, NHL playoffs, and whatever we're going to see down the line. So uh, another segment that I will be doing exclusively, because, Quentin, you are not allowed in the no-hair club, oh. the bald guy of the week. Um, obviously, no. well, actually, maybe because we have our YouTube channel, subscribe to that, by the way, people, is uh, that I am in the elegant class that has been graced with the genetic lottery of uh, losing hair super early in life. Shout out Jeff. Um, and <laughs> and uh, as a result, I think it's important to give some love to my fellow bald brethren who have decided to come home here over the weekend or uh, over the years. So we will be doing um, whenever we get some bald guy in the news deals. Uh, I'll be giving them a special shout out and we'll be uh, going through some of their amazing accomplishments that they've obviously done. Um, well, how, how about can I nominate somebody for this week's bald guy of the week? Who do you have? Jesse Rogers? Jesse Rogers. <laughs> nicest guy. Nicest guy ever. He rocks the bald look so well. And he's ju- he's just a great guy. He's a great guy. He knows his shit. 
he he follows the Cubs. He follows a lot of sports. He's a real nice guy. If you get a chance to talk to him, he'll sit there and talk to you. Uh, he's he's on his phone a lot though, because you know that's his job. Uh, he said he'll come on the podcast. We'll do an interview with him, and we we'll tell him to his face. You know, Jesse, you won bald guy of the week. We should get and, like- we should get like a printed out like Microsoft Word in like old school like 2003 Microsoft Word font that we can send to them. That would be cool, like a certificate, and it would literally it'll be a silhouette of like a bald head. Yes. You have earned bald guy of the week, Jesse Rogers. We'll make sure we don't have copyright issues with SVP there. Shout out another fellow bald guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I could definitely ask Jesse uh, about his life and uh, when he decided that uh, bald was the way for him. So <laughs> we'll be able to have some good conversation about that. Um, okay. Another thing that um, we've actually have been, we'll probably start teasing and Quentin, maybe we can do a little bit of this right now is the fast money drill for our fantastic sponsor, fast money where we'll be doing some kind of like rapid fire, quick hitting questions just at the end of an episode to kind of uh, round things off and just kind of hit around the Chicago sports world and any major events that are happening at the time. Uh, do you want to do a little bit of a baseball one? Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, so you want to start the fast money drill right now? We'll put two minutes on the clock. Yeah, let's do, let's do a quick hitting two minutes. I like that. Uh, a quick in two sorry. minutes on the clock. Let me set the timer. Two minutes on the clock. Are you asking, you want to rotate every week? One, uh, you, you'll ask me and then next week I'll ask you. Yeah, let's do that. I got All right. Two okay. minutes on the clock starting now. Okay. We're going to keep it baseball themed. So first things first, what's your uh, biggest storyline that you're thinking about for uh, both the Cubs and White Sox this year? Uh, the White Sox not getting Manny Machado. They still finish maybe third place in the division. And storyline for the Cubs, you uh, Darvish's elbow, can it stay healthy? And Joe Madden's ass is on the hot seat. I'm tired of hearing the fucking slogans of own it now. How about you just decide on who's going to be the fucking leadoff hitter and keep him there? All right. Uh, next question. Um, who is the player that you are watching for the most on the Cubs this year? Player I'm watching for the most this year is got to be Chris Bryant. How healthy is that shoulder? Can he come back and put up numbers? Because when Javi Baez leads the team, it's not going to go anywhere. All right. Um, going off of this, do you think uh, – we're going to keep it with the Cubs here. Do you think the Cubs are going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? I think sellers. I think Aston Russell's ass is gone. I think he's trade bait. Jason Hayward, I would love to move that contract, open up some cap, and I would love to get rid of Ben Zobrist, who's getting paid $12 million a year to sit the bench and play maybe once a week. All right, all right. You already answered two of my questions. I was also going to ask, who do you think they were getting rid of, if so? Um, Okay, so you mentioned this earlier. At the end of the year, um, will Joe Madden keep his job as Cubs manager? If they don't make it to the World Series... I think Joe is gone and Joe comes in. I'm really liking Joe Girardi as the next head coach for the Chicago Cubs. I know there's mutual interest in it, and that's why Joe Madden has not been offered another contract extension. And I don't think he will unless they win a World Series. All right. Keeping it uh, in Chicago, moving to the north side. So you picked the White Sox uh, finishing third in their division. What do you think uh, amount of wins that they have is at the end of this year? 71. And that's time. All right. That was a pretty good one. That was yeah, that was, that was good. That was a good little fast money. Shout out to fast money clothing. Uh, go check them out. Fastmoneyclothing.com. And 
that was our fast money drill. So next week, Andrew will be on the throne of fast money where we're going to throw the fast questions at him. Maybe they are White Sox. Maybe they're NFL. We don't know. It'll be the fast money drill, but that is uh, one of our fast money drills. Uh, Our other segment that we will start to get into are fan emails. If you guys want to email us, email us at officialsection312 at gmail.com. We'll read off some of your fan emails, whatever you guys send, whether it's concerns, comments, whether it's you guys suck or, hey, Andrew, I like your bald head, you know, whatever it is, send it in. We'll read off a couple, uh, whether they're funny, serious. If you guys have questions, we'll answer them, but we will do fan emails. Yo, bro. So before we finish, uh, we haven't given any love really so far to the uh, the Blackhawks. And I think I think we need to give the Blackhawks some love, man. I mean, it looked like this was just a dumpster fire of a season. I mean, the, the, the Hawks were fucking trash for a while. And the Hawks are now back in, I think, in the playoffs. They're projected like they've just crept back into the playoff race. You know, they're, they're back. Patty Kane is playing absolutely amazing. Um, you know, they've won, I think, oh God, it was, I think eight of 10 and they won again last night, just a fucking shootout. I mean, it's, they've been, the Hawks have been turning it up, man. Eight to seven. They won, uh, yes, last night and then five to four today against the wings. I mean, they're on fire, bro. That's nine of 11. You know, so look at that. I saw that. I saw that they had nine goals in the first, uh, in the first quarter and they actually just beat. They beat the Red Wings too, five to four. Um, I'm trying to find the standings right now, 26 and 26. Like you said, they fired Joel Quenville uh, early on, and nobody thought that this year was going to be a good year for the Hawks. But I believe I'm trying to look it up real quick. The Blackhawks, where are you? Uh, I think they're in the playoff race. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. They they just crept back in. Um, it, do you think that hurts Coach Q's legacy a little bit? That uh, I, I shouldn't say legacy because he he obviously is ingrained in Chicago culture, but just kind of the fact that he still had this team. And you know, do you think it's just after time you need a new change of face in a situation like that, or what? I do, I do. I think you know it's time for a change of scenery. You know, all, we all respect Joel. Everybody knows we love Joel. Thank you for bringing the three Stanley Cup championships. Uh, but I think it was time for a new direction with the team. I don't think it should have been in the middle of the season, but I would have let him finish out and see what happens. But yeah, go Hawks. And I'm, I'm digging the sexy ass black jerseys. Those are dope. Oh yeah, man. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the blacks, the off topics, especially kind of the throwback ones that they do too. Those, those are sexy as fuck. Yeah. So got anything else, Quentin? Uh, yeah. Last thing. Uh, before we head out, you can follow us on our Facebook page at Section 312 Official, on our Twitter page at O Section 312, capitalize the O and the S, and our Instagram at Official Section 312, capitalize the O and the S as well. And we are now proud to say we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tune in Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, soon to be iHeartRadio whenever they get back to us, and go subscribe and check out our YouTube channel, Section 312, where we post clips of our weekly interviews with guys like Joseph Jones and Don the Bear Man and um, possibly Jesse Rogers and Kelly Kroll and uh, some of our upcoming uh, upcoming guests. 
we we don't really know who's going to be our guest this week, but it's either going to be Brad Coons of the 2001 champion Miami Hurricanes or Lane Reason, the SIU punter who transferred from Oklahoma State. I know, Drew, you have a lot of questions for Lane Reason coming from Oklahoma State to SIU. Bro, I, I got hella questions about Mike Gundy's fucking mullet. That's what I'm most interested in. I'm hoping to hear some good stuff about that. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we're we're hoping to kind of line up some uh some more guests that we've uh, kind of been reaching out to lately, and uh, we'll kind of keep those on the quiet because uh you know we don't want to spoil into it too much. But uh, yeah, with that man, fucking keep it going, and uh, you guys are awesome. All right, thanks guys. Love you guys. 